stand behind this pulpit. Um, I really want to honor the man of God in the house, the apostle in the house, um, Apostle Peter Nembard and his wife, Pastor Karis, and the leadership team in this church. Um, it's a real privilege for me to have a peer mentor, you know, where we can sharpen one another and encourage one another. Uh, he's a great man of God. I really respect him. And I'm really looking forward to what he has to share later on today. Uh, yesterday, we were blessed by Bishop Noel McLean, who really, I was really blessed by what he shared. Um, now, in the next two sessions, I want to encourage you not only to make notes, but to ask questions. We're going to leave room for questions. So please feel free to ask questions um, regarding what we are going to treat. And I would really encourage you to listen to all the teachings again, especially if you're listening audibly, um, audio-wise, so that you can really be blessed. All right. So today we're going to look at fatherhood. We're going to begin to look at fatherhood as part of our um, examining whole father-son relationships. Because without a proper understanding and revelation of fatherhood, everything else, as we're going to see, will be tainted by what we see in the scriptures and by what we do with our lives. First Corinthians 4... 1 Corinthians 4, verses 14 and 15, I read it. It says, I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Now, we're going to touch on that verse later on, but I just want to recap on some of the things I said yesterday um, so that we have a proper foundation. First of all, we said that father-son relationships is a biblical model for discipleship established that we learn through what we see in the Godhead, through Father, God, and our Lord Jesus Christ, his Son. And the scripture tells us in 1 John 1 verses 3 that we are to have fellowship and that our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, we're saying that when we talk about father-son relationships, we're not talking about gender, because in Christ, there is no male or female. Father-son relationships has to do with privilege, or the privilege that all of God's people have in experiencing the fullness of meaningful, loving relationships within the context of discipleship. Again, I'll say that again. It is to do with experiencing the fullness of meaningful, loving relationships within the context of discipleship. We also established that father-son relationships is very, very necessary because the heart of fathers and sons must turn towards each other Otherwise, broken father-son relationships results in a curse being released by God himself. So where father-son relationships are not where they're supposed to be, we become vulnerable to a curse 
from God when he visits us. You see this in Malachi 4, 5, and 6. We also touched on the fact that one is vulnerable to an orphan spirit until they experience God as their father. Psalm 68, 5 says that he is a father to the fatherless. He's the father of the fatherless, a defender of widows. An orphan spirit is where an individual never feels like they belong anywhere. Wherever they are, whatever relationship they're in, they will always have a sense of insecurity. No matter how much love they experience, no matter how much affirmation they receive, until that orphan spirit is dealt with through fathering, people don't feel like they belong. To also understand father-son relationships properly, we have to look at how God himself does fathering. There are many models of fathering that we experience and that we see. But any kind of fathering or sonship that does not reflect the relationship between God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, his son, has to be rejected. It's so, so important because there's so many different things that are said in the name of fathering and in the name of sonship, of being somebody's son or being somebody's father or being a father, or having a spiritual father or having a natural father. There's so many things that are said and done in the name of this that if we're not careful, we will adopt practices that are actually ungodly and are actually what I would call Babylonish and uh, demonic and satanic because they are not found in God and his kingdom. Again, we said everything and everyone begins with a father because fatherhood is the foundation upon which families are built and creation established. Everything and everyone begins with a father. What a statement. You began because of a father. The chair you sit on is there because of a fathering concept. Somebody gave birth to it. And then we touched on the blessings of fatherhood. We said without a father, we always start at a disadvantage and we're exposed and without covering. Now, one of the things that I felt as I've been praying into this summit is that we must have a time to minister healing um, in this area of fathering because um, there's been a lot of damage in all of us to a certain degree, and many of us have not even had these areas addressed at all. You can have a father and not be fathered. And you can be fathered and not allow yourself to be fathered if you haven't been healed of damage. So we, 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 we are at a great disadvantage when we haven't started life with proper fathering. And also we said we are to continue where our fathers end. We finish or we start where they finish. So in other words, when we are fathers, 
we always begin from a place of strength. For instance, in some cultures, you find when somebody comes of age and they are going to get married, they don't have to worry about paying for the wedding. <laughs> You've gone quiet. They don't. They don't have to worry about some cultures. I said some cultures. So they don't have to worry about paying for the wedding. They don't have to worry about where they're going to live. They don't have to worry about whether they're going to work or not. Why? Because all of these things were taken care of through fathering before they even decided to get married. So when they start their married life, the things that they are dealing with are superior to what many people deal with. They're not worrying about accommodation. They're worrying about how they can improve their home, their family, their, 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 their life that they have started. But some of us, after the honeymoon, that's when we really start realizing the bills. That's not how we were supposed to. Anyway, let's just move on. So, we're to, start, we're to continue where our fathers finished. And we said God deals with us in reference to our fathers. And God deals with you as a New Testament child of God in reference to the fathers. Look at Paul the Apostle. When he refers to the promise of the gospel made to, he, he refers to the promise of the gospel made unto the fathers. Acts 2, 26, verse 6, he says, And now I stand and I'm judged for the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers. Even the gospel itself is reference to what God spoke to the fathers. All right, so this is um, a basic um, introduction. Now let's talk about fatherhood, um, uh, what we really want to treat. So the word father in the New Testament is from the Greek word pater, P-A-T-E-R, which has the following meanings to it. First meaning I want to highlight briefly is one who imparts life and is committed to it. So a father is someone who imparts life, but they are committed to that life. It's not just you release your seed and then walk away, and then 20 years later and come and say, I am your father. Now, let me enjoy the benefits of your life. No, that's not fathering. A father is also a progenitor, a progenitor, which is a person from whom others are descended or originate. Or a person who originates a culture or a movement of something. So, not only do they give birth and are committed to something, but they also originate. So, it speaks of not just the natural biological process, but also spiritual and intellectual concepts or the conception of ideas and of um, innovation. Also, a father is an, or that word pattern speaks of an originator, a person who creates or initiates something. Also, it speaks of a duplicator, a person or a thing that guards, sorry, a person or somebody who brings into being, somebody who brings into being something in order to pass on the potential of their likeness in what they bring forth. So after they give birth to something, they don't only give birth, but they give birth to themselves in someone or what they give birth to. So our Lord Jesus, the model son, what is he? He is the exact likeness or representation of the father, the exact copy of the father. Also, that word pattern speaks of a 
protector. A protector. In other words, a person, or, a person who guards, defends, preserves, or watches over someone or something. A protector. These are all what fathering is about. Are you listening? Also, it's a founder or source. A founder or source of something. In other words, an individual from whom we can draw strength. We can draw life. They're a point of reference. Also, it speaks of a provider. Someone who supplies, contributes, and resources others. Also, it speaks of a sustainer. Somebody who strengthens or supports another, whether spiritually, whether physically, or mentally. These are all what is in the concept of fathering. Also, it speaks of a nurturer, someone who feeds and protects at the same time. Not only do they feed you, but they protect you. So it means they will provide support to you, they will encourage you during a period of development. You see, at times, some people think that because they feed us, they own us. But that's not fathering. Paul said to the Corinthians, you have 10,000 instructors. They were feeding them all right. But he said, you don't have a lot of fathers. Fathering is more than the impartation of anointing. Far more than that, as we have seen. So this word pattern is used of our Heavenly Father to describe his influence in the life of believers. He imparts life to us. First of all, he gives us our natural physical life through our birth, natural birth, and then he gives us eternal life through the new birth. And then he also has that ongoing work of sanctification by the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives so that over time we become more and more like him. So as he's working in us, we receive from him and we obey him and we learn to grow up into the likeness of our Lord Jesus Christ, his son, who is his exact representation. And this form of fathering that Pater speaks of requires an intimate connection and relationship between the father and the object or the child. There has to be intimate relationship. There is involvement. That is what fathering is about. So as we can apply this to God, and it is applied to God actually in the scripture. So when our Lord Jesus introduces God as our heavenly father, he uses that word pattern. That's what he uses. Now this concept of fatherhood, when applied to the natural, is supposed to be similar. Uh, begins, it's supposed to begin with men, uh, male men, of course. Um, uh, of course. I mean, <laughs> in the, I'm talking naturally, you understand? from whose seed we come into existence. But of course, it's not limited to the male man. That word pattern can also be further applied, fathering can also be further applied to those individuals who apart from their care 
for us were also authority figures and sources of strength and security for us. And by their input into our lives, they contributed significantly in shaping us to become the men and the women that we are. And so, you know, many times our mothers are actually playing a fathering role. And we're going to see that mothering is actually in fatherhood. It's actually, it comes out of fatherhood. Because everything comes out of fathering, actually. Now, though God designed that the male man is the primary vehicle through which the father model is exhibited, and the female man is the primary vehicle through whom the mothering aspect of fatherhood is expressed, nevertheless, both can be expressed through one individual. Now, fatherhood from a kingdom perspective is gender neutral. Even in the natural, you can see it, but more so in the spiritual is gender neutral. In other words, there's neither male nor female. And also, it, it doesn't respect age. You don't have to be very old to be a father in the kingdom. You don't have to even be a person who, um, shall we say, has a lot of gifting. In fact, at times, those who have a lot of anointing and gifting are not very good fathers. And we were talking earlier on um, Pastor John, one of our senior elders, said to, said to me, said to myself and Martin, that David, King David, was actually a very bad father. And it's true, he was. And I said, and so was Samuel, the prophet. He was also a bad father. They were bad fathers. Now, they were awesome men of God. He was, David was a man after God's own heart, but he was a bad father. I don't know if I've just destroyed some ideal about David, but he was. He was a bad father. If you look at what Bishop Noah was sharing yesterday, that tells you he's a bad father. Look at the way his sons behaved. But anyway, we'll touch on that as well. You can be a good father and still have bad sons, but that, that's enough. But he was a bad father. So the point is that women as well as men can play an effective role of fathering, especially if they have been fathered themselves. Because the whole thing about the kingdom of God is fathering has to do with function as well as sonship. Fathering, father and son has to do with function, what we do, not gender, not, uh, yeah, not gender. Let's just stay there and be holy and pure. Hallelujah. So let's look at God as our father. What is he like? What is God like as a father? Malachi 2.10 says clearly, have we not all one father? Has not one God created us? Why do we deal treacherously with one another by profaning the covenant of the fathers? Help me with the time, by the way. Count me down so that I know how long I have, all right? All right, so we all have one father. God is the father of us all by virtue of creation. But also he is the father of the believer because of regeneration, being born again. So we are not just his children by creation, we are his children through being born again, through adoption, if you like. Now, because true fatherhood is found in God and is expressed in God, like I said earlier, any other model has to be rejected, whether it's in its nature and practice. And this has been a real challenge for me 
as I've been learning this over the years, is I've changed in how I relate to people and how I relate to my own biological children and how I relate to my seniors, to my peers, and to those who look up to me. Because one of the things that the Lord has said to me very clearly, as a young man growing up, I'm not so young anymore, I might look it, but I'm not so young anymore, um, is that he expects me to behave like a father. Now, it's not something that, uh, when, when you hear, yes, you should behave like a father, but actually it's a huge responsibility. Because he's saying, I want you to behave like me. I want you to behave like me. And that's the pattern. That's the pattern you must aim for. The pattern you must aim for is to do things the way God the Father relates to his son, our Lord Jesus Christ. First and foremost. And if we wish to know what it is like to be a father, you, that's the relationship you look at, how he relates to his son. First, his fatherhood and I'm going to repeat some of the things I've said earlier. His fatherhood involves authority because he's a source. It involves his name because of his nature. It involves nurturing because it, he's developing others in tenderness and care. It involves sustained sustenance because he strengthens and maintains from his overflow. It involves protect, protection because he guards against harm and against our enemies. It involves provision because he supplies, not just need, but supplies out of his abundance. It involves discipline because he, boundaries need to be established in love. And it involves replication because he seeks to have children and be fruitful that ref reflect him. It also involves leadership because he gives instruction, guidance, and direction. And then it involves succession because he leaves in us his legacy. Um, he's not dead, but he leaves in us his legacy to perpetuate his kingdom mandate. Now, there are different kinds of fathers. Some of these things are in your notes here. And let's touch on them briefly. The first one is fathers because of biolog biology. Now, although anyone, although uh, fathering really a father is anyone whose impact into our lives has had a significant impact in making us the person we are supposed to be. We have to appreciate that not everyone who impacts us is actually a father to us. So it has to do with what is taking place over periods of time that brings us into something that we were not. Fathering has to do with the uh, development from one place to another. You have developed over a period of time where you enter into something. Your father takes you into something that you were not in before. That's, that's the essence of fathering. So the first type of fathering is father because of biology. That's obvious. They, we came through them. So that's father, father because of biology. But the, the challenge with this is, if you're just given birth to by a male man through his seed, but he has not nurtured and played the, the vital roles that makes 
fathering, fathering. He's just a sperm donor. <clears throat> Hallelujah. He's not a father. That's all. He's, you know, you, you could have got, gone that through test tube. May have even got a better result with better um, DNA. Let's move on quickly. <clears throat> but that's not a father. No, honestly, at times, you have somebody who's been raised by another man who has fathered that individual, loved them, developed them. And then 30 years down the line, and I was completely honest with them, then 30 years or 40 years down the line, that same person who's been fathered by Joe Bloggs, it always seems to be a Joe, Joe Bloggs, <laughs> then says, I'm look, I want to meet my father, my real father. What a nonsense. Don't use that word real. Say, my biological sperm donor. They're not your real father. They're a fake father. Really. And people have this hang up. And then they meet this character and say, now I understand. You understand nothing. You understand nothing. You under what do you understand? He didn't wipe your bum. He didn't cry your tears. He wasn't staying up late for you. He didn't have to Deal with your mood swings and tantrums. It turns out four years later, and you know what they start doing? They start giving them money out of some kind of duty. Idiotic behavior. That's another thing. It's idiotic behavior. It's idiot. Are you listening to me? Because they're not your father. They're sperm donors. There's a difference. The money goes to your father because the blessing comes from him. Not the one who donated their sperm. I just want to be clear. All right, let's move on quickly. I'm not talking out of any pain, by the way. I'm just telling you. No, no, my dad was cool. He was great. He, he is great. No. Secondly, father by virtue of being an authority. So, for instance, Saul was a father to David because of the position he had as a king. Now, David had his natural father, but Saul was his father by virtue of his position. And you see this in 1 Samuel 26, 17, where it says, Then Saul knew David's voice and said, Is that your voice, my son David? And David said, It is my voice, O my Lord, O King. Third type of father is father because of one's experience or achievement. Job said in Job 29, 16, I was a father to the poor, and I searched out the case that I did not know. In other words, by virtue of his position and his status, he became a father even to strangers who looked to him for input and guidance and care. Also, father, because of position. Because of position. So, the, um, point two is father by virtue of authority. And then the, the, this one is by virtue of position. It might sound like the same thing, but it's not quite. Let me explain. So you see Joseph in Genesis 45, verse 8. Joseph says to, um, to his family, he says, God has made me a father to Pharaoh. Now, though Pharaoh was the father of Egypt, by virtue of Joseph's position, he and his ability to influence, his anointing, he became a father to the father. And sometimes in your development, God anoints you in such a way that now your fathers are now your children. 
And you have to be able to embrace that and recognize that, that that is an important expression of fathering. Also, father because of influence. Again, it may sound similar, but this one is where an individual may have no relationship with us or with another individual concerned, but yet is seen to them as their father by virtue of their accomplishments. So, for instance, Abraham is called our father because he's the father of faith. Not, how many of you have met Abraham recently? But he's our father. He's the father of us all. Why? By virtue of his faith. And in the same way, sometimes, and this is why at times people call these televangelists their spiritual father. Now, it's a bit of a joke at times, but because they don't know you even exist. But if, it, but, but if it's in the context of where you are saying because of their writings and so forth, they've been a father to you, then yes, to a certain degree, they have been a father by virtue of their influence. But they are not your father. They are a father figure to you, but they are not your father. Are, are you listening? So these are some of the basics. And then the sixth one is father by virtue of character. Now this one is a very powerful one because that really is father by virtue of the name, of the, your name. Character is just another, name is just another term for character, and character is another term for name. John 8, 41 to 44. Look at what our Lord says. You do the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, we were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. So if you want to see whose father Who's your father? Look at your character. If you want to know who is your son or your daughter, your spiritual child, look at your character. Look at the character of people. Hallelujah. Because you will do the deeds of your father. You will. It's inescapable. Hallelujah. He said, you would love me for I proceeded forth and came from God, nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. 43, why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. Eventually, you want to do the desires of your father. Eventually. That will, that will happen. So whoever and whatever fathers you, you will eventually lean towards their desire. That's why it's important that we're fathered properly so that we allow the right desires to come out of us. Who is your father? Ask your neighbor, who is your father? Wow, that was really bold. Ask them again, who is your father? Are you, are you kind of scared to ask the question? <laughs> Seventh kind of father, father because of nurture. This includes like foster caring or adoption in the secular sense. But in, the, in, the, in, the, in, in, in other ways, it has to do with how somebody has cared over us over a period of time. So 1 Corinthians 4, 17. Look up Paul the Apostle says, For this reason I have sent Timothy to you, 
who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. Now, Paul was not the one who gave birth to Timothy spiritually. Timothy was not his convert. Timothy had been in the Lord for a while. Timothy was converted probably by his grandmother or by his mother. He'd been in the Lord for a while when Paul met him. But Paul was the one who nurtured him in the faith where he became a, Timothy became a minister of the gospel. So Paul was a father to him by virtue of nurturing him. And then, last but not least, a father because of the gospel. This is where individuals um, are, are fathers by virtue of the gospel ministry that they have as they preach and teach people get saved, come into the fold, um, and because of that, they have children, they have offspring. Paul says to Titus, a true son in our common faith. You are a true son in our common faith. I'm not sure if I'll have time to touch on what it means to be a true son later on, but not every son is a true son. Now let's touch on spiritual fathers. <laughs> See, in God's kingdom, our spiritual father, like I've said, is not limited to gender. It refers to any man or woman whose ministry or whose life is the reason why we came to know Christ and become established in him. Now, listen carefully. It does not simply refer to somebody who led us to Christ. Now, I say this crudely, but don't misunderstand me. Somebody who led us to Christ, as important as that is, is not necessarily your spiritual father any more than somebody who biologically donates their sperm is your, spiritual, is your natural father. Unless they nurture you, look after you, care for you, and help you to be established. So it's those who lead us to Christ and then ensure that we are established in our faith as Christians. Those are our fathers. Are you listening to me? Because at times, uh, people, people get the wrong idea about fathering. Since I led you to Christ today, you're now my son, and so because you're my son, anything... I, no, it doesn't work like that. You have to demonstrate that you're a father. Can you say amen? Because after you've led them to Christ, if you are some weirdo, they should never allow you anywhere near them. Because any, 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 any donkey can lead someone to Christ. They just have to know how to speak. Are you still there? Remember the donkey that spoke to the prophet, the mad prophet? Even the donkey could tell a mad prophet, what's wrong with you? The donkey said to him, what's wrong with you? All these years you've been riding me. Have I ever not moved when you bid me to move? The donkey said, so the donkey remembered, all these years you have been riding me. When you've told me go here, haven't I done it? When you've told me done this, haven't I done it? So if I'm not doing it now, why do you keep hitting me? If our animals can talk, they will talk to us. <laughs> the point I'm trying to make is that any donkey can lead someone to Christ, but it takes a father to see them established. Yeah. So, our spiritual fathers, therefore, refers to those individuals who have the following influence in our lives. One, they were the ministry through whom we got born again and nurtured in the formative years of our faith. Two, they were the, any of these will make them a spiritual father. They were the vehicle 
through whom we became established in the kingdom of God or in the spiritual truth after we got born again. Three, they were the means through whom we entered into a calling or a way of life that either before we met them, we didn't know. For, so for instance, let's say before you met um, um, Pastor, Apostle Peter, you did not know about soul winning. You did not know about holiness. You did not know about humility. You did not know about being Christ-centered. You did not know about being radical. And then after you came into his sphere of influence, that became part of your paradigm. Then he is your father in that context that has established you in the formative ways of the kingdom of God. And you should be forever grateful. Can you say amen? You look very serious, people. All right. Also, they were the means through whom, they were the individual, sorry, through whom we became established in our present call, way of life, or ministry. So, at times, the person who helped you to be established in your formative years, after that has happened, God moves you on. So, they will forever be your father in that sphere. And you should always be grateful. But then you enter another sphere where somebody else comes into your life and because of them, you now enter into your calling. Through their influence, through their input, through their encouragement, you enter into your calling. They are also your father. And you must honor and acknowledge them and receive them as such. And then after they've done this, God moves you on and he brings you into somebody else who now because of their influence into your life, has caused you to enter into your high calling, enter into a, a grace and an anointing that you never had before they inputted and influenced into your life. They are also your father. But here's the problem. Sometimes the people that God uses in this way who continue to be used this way do not look like they should be our father. Sometimes you are more handsome than your father. It's true. Sometimes you are more intelligent than your father. It's true. All my children, they are definitely better looking than me. Thank God for that. And so sometimes, well, my daughter in particular does not like the idea when people say, you look just like your dad. So I have to add the caveat. She is the improved version so that we're all happy. <laughs> but, my, but, my, but, my point I'm, but my point I'm making is, is this. How you receive those fathers is crucial to what God then releases into your life. So at times we can honor one father and dishonor another and not realize, and don't realize why we are not progressing the way we're supposed to. Are you listening to me? So in effect, one can have more than one spiritual father. And again, in some circles, they tell you you can only have one father. What a nonsense. That's the people who have no... Paul said you don't have many fathers. What's the implication? You can have more than one. So, for instance, myself, I'll use myself as an example. Um, as the founder of uh, our ministry, I am a spiritual father by proxy, by proxy, to all those who are part of that ministry. But I am not necessarily the spiritual father to many of the individuals within our ministry. Unless I have some form of fathering relationship with them. 
So by proxy, if they're part of CLF, I'm, I'm, I'm a father to the, CLF, the members of CLF, by proxy. But in reality, many of them, their local pastors are actually their fathers. Or their local mentors who have mentored them and who has trained them up and raised them up and fed them to come into a new level are their fathers. I am a father figure, but I'm not actually their father. I'm not. Are you still here? So whilst members of CLF may well see me as their spiritual father, which is nice, they should also see their local pastors and ministers as their fathers. Because more than likely, they are their true fathers because of their relationship and the role they have with them. So I may be a so I may, for instance, I may be a father to all CLF ministers by reason of my function as a bishop of CLF, but it doesn't mean I am their only father. It doesn't mean that. Even, it might not even mean that I am even their father in the true sense. Unless I was a medium through which God brought them into their calling and into their anointing. Maybe somebody else, God brought them into their calling and anointing and nurtured them. And then when they saw me, they really liked me because of my big head and decided, you know, we're associated with this one. And so I take all the glory, but actually I'm not their father. <laughs> you should receive and honor all your fathers. The time went very quickly. You, you showed me two minutes ago, ten minutes, and then as time just flown something. Okay, fine. Well, let's pause for a moment and let's give room for questions. Give room for questions. If there's any questions, otherwise I'll, I'll talk about some guidelines of fathering. So I talk about some guidelines of fathering, or is there any questions? Hello, are you still here? Yeah. Have you understood what I've said? Oh, you haven't. Who didn't understand? You want me to repeat again? Okay, fine. Praise the Lord. You have a question. Excellent. Good morning. Could you just explain again um, about the local pastor being a father? How, how does that work? In, like any other dynamic, if that local pastor... So, okay, let me explain it like this. Just because I am a pastor of a local church, and I am, I lead a local church, doesn't mean every member in my church is my spiritual son or daughter. It depends on the relationship. So by virtue of my position, I am a father figure to them. So by virtue of that position, they can see me as their spiritual father, quote unquote. But in reality, functionally, unless I am playing that kind of role relationally in their life, I am not really their father in the true sense. Somebody else in my church or outside my church is probably their father. What I am is I am their instructor. I am their teacher. I am even their shepherd, their spiritual shepherd, their pastor. But I'm not their father. And there is a difference. You can be a shepherd, a teacher, and not be a father. Like Paul said, you have 10,000 instructors, but few fathers. So there were teachers there that were ministering. So it's the same. You can have 10,000 10, apostles, same. 10,000 prophets. All the fivefold ministers are supposed to be fathers. It's not just the apostle. It's not just the pastor. All fivefold ministers are supposed to be elders. And all fivefold ministers are supposed to be fathers. But the reality is, many of us are not fathers. We are something else. 
you see. So it has to do with whether those dynamics that are in that word pattern are in play within that individual and that so-called father. If they're in play, then of course they are. If they're not, then they're not. It's as simple as that. What did you mean uh, when you said about a Babylonian? Uh, I wish I hadn't said it. Sorry, okay, yeah, yeah. I didn't. It's just simply, you know, Babylon. Babylon was a counterfeit kingdom, counterfeit to God's kingdom. It, it actually was to do. Um, it actually promotes witchcraft, demonization, rebellion against God, and so forth. It's what governs. It's the underlying culture that governs the system of this world even now. So there's a lot of things that people do in the church that is actually borrowed from Babylon or the world. So for instance, when it comes to fathering, you find it tends to be based on what the father can get from his children. That's what qualifies them. So if my children regularly so financially into my life, then they are qualified to be my spiritual sons. But if they're not, then forget it. It's not, you're not my spiritual son. You understand? That is just demonic. It's witchcraft. You understand? Now, there, there's a principle of sowing into your spiritual father for sure. But we shouldn't put the cart before the horse. Before the son or the daughter can sow into your life, you should have been sowing, 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 sowing into their life over a period of time for them to come to that place where they can say, ha, now that I'm strong, here's something back. Yeah, that's how it goes. Any other questions, please? Frankie. Yeah, Pastor Joe, I just really wanted to get more understanding about the... Um what you said about this, you know, sperm donor, um, being a sperm donor and also just trying to understand the cultural, you know, if you're not from this culture, um, I just want to know how you can, you know, just process this and relate to your biological father in okay. that context. So, sure. All right, so um, I put it rather crudely, but the reality is this. Just because somebody is my biological father does not mean they are a true father. All right? Now, I use a very crude example where a person, you know, sleeps with a woman, the woman gets pregnant, and then they disappear. Then 30 years later, they turn up and say, I'm your father. That is what I was referring to. I was not referring to where our biological fathers have not done a good job fathering us. That's a different context. And that's where we all find ourselves. Where our biological fathers have not done a good job fathering us, welcome to the real world. That's almost everybody. You understand? <laughs> okay? It doesn't mean you dishonor them. It doesn't mean you don't give them the honor of a father. And there is, there is a way in which you are supposed to go about it. So I, was differentiate, I, I used a crude example to differentiate between the two. Does that answer your question? Was that another part of your question? Does that answer it? Okay, yeah, fine. Any other questions? Yes, Martin. Reverend okay. Martin, sorry. You, you, you made a comment about you don't have one father. You don't? Yeah. yeah. Um, but do you have a 
No, I'm not saying you don't. You, you, you're right. not limited to only one father. A person can just have one father, of course. No, but you made a comment that if someone said that they only have one father, then I, I couldn't quite hear it. Okay, my, no, what I, what I meant to say is there are some who teach you can only have one father. That one is not correct. Spiritually speaking, you can have more than one, even in the natural. Yeah, you can only have one biological father, but we know of people who've been fathers to us. Not just our biological father. Our biological father was a father to us, but there are other people whose influence in our life was, and I'm not talking spiritual either, who was a father figure and helped us develop. You understand? So as it is in the natural, more so in the spiritual. In the spiritual, God brings different ones into our lives at different seasons of our lives. Some of them are our brothers who come to sharpen us as iron sharpens iron. And some of them are not just our brothers, they are actually our fathers. Some of, us are old, some of them are older brothers who are there to help their younger brothers get by until their younger brothers come of age. But even that, they are not their fathers. I have something I call false fathers. By false fathers, I mean those people who play a role in our lives that we wrongly see as fathers. For instance, a teacher can be a false father because they teach and teach and teach we think they are our father, but actually they are not. Because it's not just the teaching that makes them a father. An older brother who is helping their younger brother to grow up in the faith is not a father. Um, so like, say someone is a cell leader or life group leader, I don't know whether you have that in, in the app, where, where they are a life group leader. They are not necessarily your father. You understand? Um, they are playing a role, um, but they are not your father. I hope that helps you. Okay. But at the same time, you can have different ones who play a father, who are fathers to you. Yeah, so you have people that can be fatherly towards you in certain areas. Not just fatherly, they are fathers. Fathers, okay. So, 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 so hold on. Anybody can be fatherly. Anybody can show kindness well, and caring. Let's take me and, stuff. and you. Huh? Let's take our relationship. Okay, me and you. Example. Okay, right. Will help. Okay, fine. So, for instance, I am your father by virtue of the fact that one is through our my uh, my ministry that you became established in the Lord, and also it is through my relationship with you that you entered into ministry and began to enter and and have entered into your calling. But I am not the one who brought you to the Lord and helped you to grow in your early stages. I think it was Billy, right? So Billy actually is your spiritual father. Now, you may never have recognized him as such, but he is. But I am also your spiritual father because I am the one that God used to help you enter into uh, a, a strong aspect of discipleship, uh, into discipleship, actually, and then helped you to enter into ministry. So I have played these key roles in your life. And it's through the relationship that I've had with you. Now, there are others in our church who've been a father, have played fatherly roles in your life. But in the true sense, they're not your father. I am. So they were clear. <clears throat> Pastor Joe, from my understanding of what you said, you could have um, spiritual fathers who nurture you to different stages. Mm -hmm. Can you be married to your father? Yes. Yeah, not your natural father. Okay, sorry, we're clear. <laughs> so my wife, my wife is my 
spiritual son. She is my spiritual son that I've nurtured to become a father in the faith. Morning. Forgive me if, I, um, if you've answered this question Doesn't already. Does everybody need a spiritual father? Yes. That's a simple answer. Yes, everybody does. Because everybody is in a fam- should be in a family. Every born-again believer should be in a family and should be in a house. We're all in one universal family of God, but there are many families within that universal family. And there are many houses within the family. For instance, Ark. Ark as a ministry has more than one house. It's a family of houses now since you started planting out. So you have more than one house and you're going to have many more houses. You understand? But it's one family under the Ark banner. You understand? And so Ark has one father, which is Apostle Peter. He doesn't like these titles, but I like to use it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Don't use it with me, though. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so he's the father of the ark. But as the movement grows and as new churches are formed, there will be churches that he wouldn't have even an idea they exist until they tell him. So he, he's the father of the movement, but that local church, he's not the father of that local church. You understand? And that's how it is. Yeah? Pastor Joseph, in yes, order sir. for um, the fatherhood to be uh, uh, recognized, does there have to be unity between the son and the father in the sense that you have to understand that or agree that that person is your father? Ah, that's a very interesting point. So actually, the answer is no. In other words, it's like this. Whether my son acknowledges that I'm his father or not, I am his father. Now, it helps my son to recognize that I am his father. It makes it easier for him to be able to run to me as a father and so that he can receive from me as a father. But if I have played that role and he never acknowledges it, it's to his detriment. Honor your father and mother that it will be long, it will be well with you and that you may live long on the earth and you may prosper. When you honor your father, what you do is you guarantee that the life that they produced in you remains. So whatever life they produced in you because the essence of fathering is the production of life. When you acknowledge and you honor them, what they've imparted in you remains yours forever. But if you dishonor them, what happens? Your days are cut short. You see, so it is actually essential that you acknowledge it, but you don't have to acknowledge it for the fathering um, dynamic to have been in play. It is better. And at the same time, if a father does not acknowledge a son, well, any true father will always acknowledge their son. But sometimes you can have a father that loses their way and does not acknowledge their sons. Now, when they do that, that's when an orphan spirit can set in. That's when God has to come in and become a father to the fatherless. And when God becomes a father to the fatherless, that curse that could have prevailed in that son's life will not be established. 